Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Badlands Daily. This is all connected, guys. It really is. It's 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 undeniable. Which is a rigged system with these elite people. There is no need to complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated. The divide is is meant to keep us divided and fighting each other. But they control the actors, and I really think they have to jump in. They like making their pet monkeys dance. It's just a creation that exists in the minds of people who are still addicted to the central narrative. All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Badlands Daily. Today is Friday, which is, of course, my favorite day of the week. And I'm joined today by Chris Paul. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Bro, it's good to see you, too. <laughs> I'm out of breath, dude. I got up here. I got upstairs because every morning when the intro is playing, I run downstairs, refresh my coffee. Oh, wow. Grab water. I get upstairs and I'm sitting down and I hear beep, beep, beep. What is that? That is my signal that I left my refrigerator door open. Oh, that's and I was like, I was like right at the end of the intro, so I, I ran downstairs, killed it, closed the refrigerator door, and I made it back in time. And I'm just out of breath. So, all's well that ends well. Yeah. So, how you doing, man? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I haven't been running around my house quite so much, but uh, I did. uh, I do have a coffee. I will be filling that. When you do the commercials, as always. Well, then you better chug, 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 because we're going to do the first ad right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got CB Distillery. Let me guess, your medicine cabinet is crammed with stuff that doesn't work, and you still aren't sleeping, you still hurt, and you're still stressed out. That's how it was for me. So I cleared out my cabinet and reset my health with CBD from CB Distillery. It's been a real game changer so far. CB Distillery's targeted formulations are made from the highest quality, clean ingredients. No fluff, no fillers, just pure, effective CBD solutions designed to help support your health. In two non-clinical surveys, 81% of customers said they experienced more calm. 80% said CBD helped with pain after physical activity. An impressive 90% said that they slept better with CBD. So if you struggle with a health concern and haven't found relief, make the change like I did to CB Distillery. And with over 2 million satisfied customers and a solid 100% money back guarantee, CB Distillery is the source to trust. I have a 20% discount to get you started. Visit cbdistillery.com and use promo code BADLANDS for 20% off. That's cbdistillery.com, promo code BADLANDS. All right. You ready to get rocking today, man? I've never been more ready. Well, I, I, I must say and preface this, I'm slightly out of the loop because I was on yesterday all day doing the Fannie Willis trial. And we're going to we're going to go through some of the highlights from that from yesterday. I don't know how much of that you got the caught, how much of that you caught. Um, I caught some little clips here and there. 
It's too oh, soap opera-y for me. Like, I, I don't need to know any of the details of that. You know, like the, the only important takeaway was already known before, which is the trial is fake, Fanny's fake. And now uh, they are clearly trying to remove Fanny for whatever reason. One of the two sides is trying to remove Fanny. And so Both sides are trying to remove. Well, yeah, Both. well, maybe, maybe one side is definitely uh, the, the Trump side is saying they want Fanny removed in the same way that they're saying they want Biden impeached, you know. I guess we'll oh, find out what what the uh, the plan is, or we won't. Let's just see what happens. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't care where uh, Fannie Willis hides her cash, you know. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, let's get into the other news today. We'll get to that Fannie story here in just a little bit. But uh, let's first start off here with NBC News. Biden attacked her for asking him when Bo died, but of course that didn't happen. <laughs> This guy is just, he's batting a thousand with all these things that he's coming out. You know, he does the presser right after, you know, mistakes the CC for Mexico and, and, and Egypt just, you know, he can't remember the church that, uh, that Bo got him the rosary from, even though he's said it previously. And now we, we've got this story here. It says, uh, Joe Biden lashed out at Robert Hur last week over one particular line from uh, the report saying that Biden, quote, did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Remember that from the press conference? <laughs> what? I know. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, just so, it's just so preposterous, man. Like Joe Biden brings up Bo Biden all the time. He does not remember basic details of his own uh, of his own life. And I guess that's part of the price you pay when you are living in the public eye for 50 years is that you don't have the option of forgetting all of these things and just having people go along with it because it's actually recorded. But man, he lies about uh, Bo Biden's death all the time. He brings it up all the time. He always tries to exploit his kids. He literally tried to exploit their mother's death when he was first being. Uh, inaugurated into the Senate back in whatever that was, 1972 or something. 12, 1912. Uh, <laughs> but her never asked that question. It was the president, not her. Let's go back to that. Let me, let's try that again. It was Joe Biden, not mm -hmm. her or his team who first introduced Bo Biden's death. They said Biden raised his son's death after being asked about his workflow at a Virginia rental home in 2016 to 2018. Uh, the sources say when a ghostwriter who was helping write the memoir about losing Bo to brain cancer, investigators had a 2017 recording showing that Biden had told the ghostwriter he had found classified stuff in the report. And uh, look, Joe Biden is just an absolute train wreck. We all understand that totally. He continuously goes out there and, and, and tells people, and, and this is disgusting. I, this is one of the things that really I, I can't stand about him besides everything um is he goes out there and talks about bo biden dying in iraq like yo yeah i lost my son in iraq i lost my son uh he he died from brain cancer i mean it's obviously incredibly tragic oh we lost chris obviously incredibly tragic and uh but but to to try and say that he died in iraq is uh you know a gross injustice to those who actually did lose their lives there but i bring up that story because now I mean, we knew this was going to happen, but on March 12th, we are going to get a congressional uh, hearing with Robert Hur. 
he's going to testify. This is, I mean, that's standard operating procedure when you put out a report like this. I don't know what we're going to get out of it, but like Biden's own DOJ now is coming out and saying that hers report was fine. He wasn't gratuitous, like the talking point. That was the one word, if you listen to the Mockingbird media at all, that was the one word that was like reverberated throughout. Gratuitous, gratuitous, gratuitous. And so we'll have an opportunity for her to defend himself. What a strange claim that is, too, that that gratuitous basically accepts that all the claims are true. He just harped on it too much. Yeah, like he took it too much, too much of his own privilege to to talk about it specifically. I mean, there's you know, they, they say that the report was way too uh, personal and put too much personal opinion into the report itself. I mean, look, anybody. Anybody that watches Joe Biden knows that there's something major, major, major wrong with that guy, period. I mean, even the the talking heads on MSNBC that that, you know, defend him deep down, they know, like, let's get some truth serum in these people and and see what they actually think. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, guys, today I, I should have started the show by saying this. Today's going to be a relatively quick show because we do have the the Fanny trial and her dad's going to testify today. So I want to see that for sure. <laughs> so stupid, bro. It was epic last night. I, 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 I know it's very entertaining. We found out that that. Well, I, I got the clips. I got the clips, so we'll play it. All right. But let's jump into this story here from the Epic Times. Attorney General's office says paraglider sentence not eligible for review. Uh, jump down here it says on tuesday three women that were convicted of carrying or displaying an article to arouse reasonable suspicion they are supporters of banned organization hamas at a march through whitehall on october 14th 2023 uh they were convicted i should say deputy senior district judge tan ikram decided against jailing them and gave all three a 12-month conditional discharge saying it was a quote-unquote lesson learned from them now i have to preface this and thank thank you to chris for picking this up this was in england not not the united states this was in the uk uh, it says but on wednesday it emerged that judge ikram had apparently liked a post on linkedin by a bar bar barrister accused barrister. of promoting barrister barrister i'm thinking of a barrister no what's barista what's, like starbucks barista? yeah but what's somebody that works at a barista a barista no, no, no. A barista is the person who works there. And a oh, barrister yeah. is uh, an attorney. Oh, I don't know, man. I make my own coffee. I'm not, I'm not bougie enough for that. Anyways, um, so the, the, these women, apparently they went to a protest in England and they were wearing a shirt that had like some something that they didn't like over there, Hamas supporting, whatever it may be. They were arrested, they were charged, and they were convicted. And now, um, you know, their sentence, they can't review the sentence, I guess, like Epic Times, it says they reached out to try and review the sentence. Uh, I guess they, I don't know if they sealed it or what, but now they find out that the judge actually was liking posts about uh, the attack over there. It says a screen grab shared on social media appeared to show the judge's account had liked the post by Sham Udin, which read free, free Palestine to the Israeli terrorists, both in the UK, the US, and of course, Israel, you can run, you can bomb, but you cannot hide. Justice will be coming for you, end quote. Uh, the, the two women were identified as being the two women seen on a video on social media during the march, displaying images on their back while Miss Taiwo was carrying a placard which had the same image attacked to it. And I guess this was the the paragliders that they had on there. 
I don't know. This was absurd, man. Like, I, I, I don't agree with that. I think it's pretty freaking stupid for you to, to support that, especially like it's one thing to say, like, I, I'm all for the Palestinians, like free Palestine. It's another thing to directly support Hamas, like, but it's it shouldn't be illegal, man. Yeah. And that's the only that's the only thing that matters. I mean, our moral judgment here is, you know, about what they're doing and whether or not that conforms to our taste and how we think things should be like, you know, that's mostly irrelevant. We have to allow people to wear the t-shirts they want to wear. And it's funny though, with the paragliding thing, you'd think that they would want to uh, not draw attention to the fact that they are telling the entire world that they're ready to start World War III over paragliding go-karts, you know, penetrating the uh, most secure border in world history. I, I would think that they would want to ignore that and focus on the decapitated babies that they also didn't prove, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm with you. And then like what happens and, and keep in mind, folks, this is the UK. But I mean, how far away are we really over here? You know, I, I mean, at the point where, you know, people are being busted for social media stuff, uh, Alpha Warrior, you know, or my co-host being one of them, uh, Douglas Mackey being another one, you know, uh, how far are we from someplace in England saying, oh, you're wearing a Russian flag shirt and because they're the oppressors of Ukraine right now. Uh, you're going to prison for wearing, you know, that. What if you're Russian? I mean, are we going to bring back J Japanese internment camps and, you know, do that over in England? I mean, th that's pretty scary, man. Like when you can't <sighs> remember the remember the uh, the police officers that arrested the autistic like teenager that called one of the cops a lesbian or said that they she looked like a lesbian. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, no, you don't. You no. don't remember that, dude. This was probably oh, like probably like summer of last year no and these these cops in england came and arrested uh uh like a teenage autistic girl that had like all sorts of problems and she's they, they go into west yorkshire police thank you ec they were in um they went into her home and the girl was like under the stairs like in a little cubby under the stairs like crying and screaming because she had no idea why why the cops were after her and all this stuff and it turns out what she said was she said that this female cop looked like her Nana, who is a lesbian. And, and the cop took offense to that. It was absurd. You know, they they want everybody to understand that there's a range of things you're not allowed to say. And even if uh, they're not going to actually throw you in jail for it, they want to make it the sort of thing where, you know, you are risking a major pain in the ass if you are going to say certain things and most people at that point will duck out because they just don't want the hassle. They have their normal lives that they're going about and dealing with. And the last thing they want to do is have to deal with the government trying to imprison them for something, you know, and in, in quotes, stupid that they've said. I mean, I think everybody in the audience knows my view on that. Like you got to say the stuff, you know, and if you don't say it, and you don't make them follow through on their threats, then all they need is the threat. And the threat doesn't have to have any teeth. They don't have to put anything behind it. Everybody's just going to comply or they'll get like 99.5% compliance just on the threat alone because everybody else will simply be like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. It's not worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, when you think about when you compare like what we just talked about with the UK and you look at the United States and granted, we don't exactly have that same type of legal law enforcement type jurisdiction over people saying things like that. We are getting to the point now where 
you know, social media obviously being a huge one. Um, you know, we had our, I, 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 I don't know if you did or not, but I, I know I had my YouTube taken down, uh, you know, pretty decent channel that was making me a good amount of money. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a yeah. business. YouTube was paying me. So it didn't rely on, on our listeners for, you know, rants and super chats and all that stuff. And they just took it away because they disagreed with what I said. Turns out everything I said back then was true. Now, you know, it turns out we were speaking truth, well-researched back then as well. Facebook did the same thing as well. And the way that society has gone now, I mean, being scorned on social media like that and being cut off from, you know, people that you associate with family. I mean, cause they took away my Facebook too. And Facebook uh, suspended my account as well. And that takes away, you know, high school friends that I haven't talked to in 10, 15 years. And the only contact I have with them is through their uh, family that's, you know, overseas and, and, and in other states and stuff like that. And so uh, the censorship apparatus, while it hasn't gotten to the to the lawfare yet as extensively in the United States, it's getting there. Yeah, it's getting there. You know, I hope that um, people will begin and, you know, whether it's taking up lawsuits um, for ourselves or joining class action lawsuits. Uh, these companies need to be held accountable for all this stuff. And I don't know what that looks like. I, I think that that stuff is coming. And, you know, there have been class action lawsuits filed. Obviously, there are still cases out there. Trump had a case. Um, there was Rogan O'Hanley's case. I don't know what's going on with that, that he filed with Harmeet Dillon like three years ago. Um, these cases against the social media companies for censorship, we hear about them and then they just disappear. Maybe we're just waiting for the results of Missouri versus Biden and some other things to, uh, to pan out so that all that stuff can be acted upon. But I mean, especially now that we, you know, we, you and I have known the entire time, anybody who is actually censored was paying attention to the issue and knew that there was, uh, government, um, involvement with the censorship for three years now, you know, some of the country woke up to that last year with the Twitter file. Some of it still obviously has to wake up to this problem, but it's always been provable that the government was involved in this censorship. That is a blatant violation of the first amendment. It's a violation of human rights. And uh, yeah, they still have hell to pay for that. And I hope they do because I have a feeling that people like you are owed a lot of money. Oh man, that would be excellent, man. Me, Behizzy, Nick, Q. Yeah. All those guys, man, we just got absolutely screwed. And uh, yeah, maybe the, you know, it's another case we don't hear about Elon Musk versus Media Matters. That's going to be the one that I really care about, man. That case right there. I want to see all the discovery communications between Media Matters and certain elected, not elected, but uh, government officials, bureaucratic officials. That's what I'm really interested in. But all right. Well, yeah, doesn't that have all the advertisers involved as well? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we'll really see um, kind of the the interplay between these companies and government organizations and uh, social media because they are all associated. I mean, these companies are partners. The governments are partners. The companies are partners of the World Economic Forum and other global governing organizations. And that actually matters a great deal. They are uh, all involved in executing the same plan. They are helping one another out. Each one of these different organizations fulfills some different function in that overall agenda. And they just continue marching forward. And the truth is it's all of them. It's not like one of them is responsible. They are all collectively responsible. Yeah. Let's jump into this story from Breitbart talking about lawsuits right here. Disney hit with federal civil rights 
complaint over DEI alleges discrimination against white men, Christian, and Jews. America First Legal filed the complaint against Disney, which Stephen Miller has been doing really good work over there. I'd like to see some fruits of the labor, but, you know, he's putting the pressure, he's turning the screws, and, uh, you know, that's the most we can ask for right now. Uh, the group cited publicly available documents published on Disney's official sites, as well as leaked internal documents showing how executives have made diversity, equity, and inclusion a central part of Disney's hiring practices. Quote, it is sad and tragic that a company whose name was once synonymous with wholesome and charming childhood fantasies is now dedicated to spreading divisive bigotry. We urge Disney to cease and desist its unlawful and destructive conduct once at once, said Stephen Miller. Disney has implemented de facto quotas in its hiring, which violates employment laws. They allege that Disney has publicly listed actual percentages. Well, that's not alleged. That's we're going to see that in a second. Disney has publicly listed actual percentages when it comes to hiring from for its productions. Published quotas is the goal that 50 percent of Disney's TV series directors must come from, quote unquote, underrepresented groups. Quote, it is patently, patentedly, patently, that's a yeah. hard word for me to say because I keep wanting to say patentedly. It is patently unlawful to consider racial, ethnic, and sex-based characteristics in hiring, training, compensation, and promotion, America First Legal said in its complaint. Decades of case law have held that policies that impose racial balancing or quotas is in, in employment, training, or recruitment, such as those presented on Disney's website, are prohibited. And then we actually have the document. Let me pull it up here. This was actually tweeted by, of all people, Elon Musk. And uh, let me here, let me open it in a new tab so we could zoom in here. And you could see standard A on screen presentation A1 characters, 50% or more of regular and recurring written characters come from underrepresented groups, 50% or more. Uh, dude, I, I mean, this is, this is like published. This is really dumb of them to do this like I, that is, I, yeah that's insane i mean so if i get this you know if i'm getting the uh the hollywood jargon here correct and i think i am you know up in a up there you have a differentiation made between characters and actors so characters then i believe would be uh as they're described in the script right so half of the characters that are written into a script have to be from quote unquote underrepresented groups. And I have to assume that can't just be, um, you know, women, they pretend that women are underrepresented. That's preposterous. It doesn't even make sense. But um, I would, I, it seems like they're making a distinction there between the characters and then they want separately, they want to meet both these standards, the actors themselves playing these characters, they want them to be from underrepresented groups as well. So it wouldn't be enough to have 51% trans characters all played by cisgender um, actors. You would have to have trans characters played by trans actors or, uh, you know, black or Muslim or handicapped characters played by black or Muslim or black or Muslim or handicapped people. And you're not allowed to say handicapped. So I would already be in prison. <laughs> I mean, this is this is pretty wild. I mean, that's why we get things like, you know, the Little Mermaid where they had, uh, you know, Ariel cast as a black woman. Uh, mm -hmm. Now we've got Pirates of the Caribbean where I don't even know if it's Jack Sparrow's character, like a like a prequel to the first one. But like 
the main character in that now is going to be a black woman, a, 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 a Bro, gay black woman. It would be so funny if uh, they made all the pirates black and <laughs> set it in Somalia and just made it the pirates <laughs> of Somalia. Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally different vibe on Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, man. That's just nuts, though, that they're going through all this. But whatever. You know what? Um, there's been like that law, the, the anti-hiring or the anti-discrimination hiring laws have always gone the other way. And it's it's kind of interesting to see it coming out this way now because it always used to be like, oh, you guys you guys discriminated on me against me because I'm black or you discriminated against me because I'm gay or because I'm Muslim or whatever it may be. And now, I mean, this is the first big case that I can think of where they flipped that script. And now they're saying, hey, Disney, a Fortune 500 company, a mega, mega, mega corporation saying you're doing the opposite and you're it's like you tried to pander to them and you took it too far now where 50 percent by the way uh i think i i might be wrong on this but i'm pretty sure that white caucasian american still makes up over 60 percent of the population in the united states so you've now overrepresented underrepresented groups by a factor of at least 10 percent yeah i mean yes they are blatantly doing the opposite of that which they said they intend to do, which, you know, if you are even acceptably uh, adept at recognizing patterns, you would see is something they do absolutely uh, all the time. I mean, all of this is preposterous. I hope that they uh, are waking people up throughout all of this because, man, oh, man, you know, I've been reading this book. I, I think I probably mentioned it on here last week. I've mentioned it on a couple of Badlands streams. Secret uh, Constitution. Exactly. And uh, and on so, it. you know, I'm getting through a couple chapters a week. I don't spend a ton of time uh, reading that. But when I, you know, feel like reading before bed, I'll check it out. Or sometimes in the morning with breakfast. It's just that kind of book, you know. It's just a, a beautiful morning breakfast with a coffee book. <laughs> read you about read about the Civil War and the Constitution. Um but uh, one thing that Fletcher talks about is how the Reconstruction Amendments, they basically conceived of this as being a long process where once they made it uh, a necessity for uh, equal treatment under the law, they meant to extend it to everything. And then they tasked the courts, essentially, they moved this stuff to the courts so that the courts would have to uh, constantly make these claims where equal representation was a necessary standard that must be enforced by whoever was involved in the claim. And through that, they were able to make all sorts of laws um, and essentially create an entirely new governing structure just based on that principle alone. And he makes it very clear that they want to maximize for that principle in every arena in uh, American society. And ultimately what that leads to, of course, is enforced equality from the top down which only exists in the communist utopia and in the regime, uh, the global regime structure that they have been trying to uh, implement now for hundreds and hundreds of years. It wasn't some novel idea when they brought this to America and it wasn't just America at the time of the civil war, they were doing it in countries all around the world. So, I mean, this is a, a system, a systematic approach to removing whatever uh, Liberty based law the people set in place over the course of a very long time and we seem to be at the you know closer to the end point of that now when you see enforcement even 
in a private business that they are enforcing laws that aren't even about equal representation or accurate representation based on proportionality in the country. It's just based on a standard they de they decide is is right. My biggest takeaway from that is you get to eat breakfast and read a book every morning. Well, I mean, you could too, depending on what time you want to get up. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to buy that book. And I, sorry, I was talking over you. So if anybody else was interested, it's called The Secret Constitution. What's the author's name? Our Our Secret Constitution, George P. Fletcher. He is a uh, Columbia law professor. So right. he's not some sort of right winger asking, uh, like giving us all the rationale for overturning the Reconstruction Amendments. He is a communist who's giving us the rationale for overturning the Reconstruction Amendments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. All right, let's jump into this story here from the Daily Caller. Biden admin sues red state over law penalizing prostitutes for knowingly spreading HIV. How about the fact prostitution's illegal? It's, uh, the DOJ filed a lawsuit against the state of Tennessee on Thursday, arguing that a law penalizing prostitutes for spreading HIV is a prohibited form of discrimination under the American with Disabilities Act. So, hey, if you can't, if you can't whore yourself out on the street, just go work for Disney. 50% underrepresented. Disabilities are included in that. You know, they show the picture of the woman's legs there, and she is meant to represent the prostitute. But we are talking about HIV AIDS here. So yeah. uh, women really aren't in the picture. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, Tennessee's we, we, we should be, we should be honest about these things at this point. It's been 30 years that, that everybody's been lying about this. You know, I'm not saying anything bad about people's lifestyles or what they choose to do, although we can do that too. But, uh, but HIV AIDS is not a, uh, a problem in the heterosexual sexual community. It just isn't. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say AIDS isn't really a problem at all. Well, you got that part too. Yeah, I mean, I would love for all of this to eventually land right back at Fauci's doorstep where it began. So, Bingo. by all Bingo. means, proceed. I mean, Magic Johnson's going on what like 40 years with AIDS. Isn't that incredible? I know. I remember him being. Uh, I remember when he was diagnosed with it back in like 1991. Yeah. 91 90, yeah, 90 so. or 91 something like that yeah 33 years with aids and Funny. then they had him play at the nba all-star game and we were being taught lessons about how uh it was very important to wear rubber gloves in case you were ever around anyone's blood remember when we were like fear-mongered into like drinking fountains could transmit it and like yeah. don't yeah. forget about reaching for a coke inside of a coke machine and somebody puts a razor in there or a syringe with aids and all that shit and we we're like i mean they 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 fear-mongered the crap out of me when i was a little kid i was afraid of yes uh of it that was a big thing when i i, I nailed that one time wise in my uh in my gen x childhood uh, we were all becoming teenagers when AIDS was the biggest thing in the world. And so health class in high school or in junior high was like obsessed with telling us about AIDS. And uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Did you ever see the South Park with Magic Johnson, the South Park about AIDS where Carmen was going, uh, I'm not just sure I'm HIV positive. 
So they they wanted to uh, they wanted to figure out how Magic Johnson had survived so long with AIDS. So they traveled to Magic Johnson's house, and as they explored his mansion, they just found enormous piles of cash everywhere, and they realized that uh, that tons and tons of money was the uh, was the way to cure AIDS. <laughs> Like if you had tons and tons of money, AIDS was not going to kill you and you could just continue living as normal. I mean, isn't that everything in, in life? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about, yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, the parallel obviously is people who didn't have means back then and were diagnosed with AIDS and believed that they had HIV or AIDS would go into the hospital to get treated, same as they were during COVID. They would be given drugs that would make their condition worse and introduce new conditions. And uh, ultimately they would die of uh, like pneumonia or their lungs filling something along those lines. And I mean, the parallels to COVID are, are incredible. It, the only difference really is that they called one a sexually transmitted disease and the other one, we just got through little things flying around in the air. <laughs> that, that of course masks were perfectly Exactly. Uh, effective, safe and effective. It says, go reading on, it says, Tennessee's law defines aggravated prostitution. <laughs> that's when you couldn't. That's when the hooker just won't stop bugging you. <laughs> I got so many jokes I could make yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. aggravated prostitution. It's when you can't get it up and she's. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Why won't pen. this stoplight change? <laughs> which is a felony aggravated prostitution is a felony as when an individual an, an individual knowingly quote engages in sexual activity as a business or is an inmate in a house of prostitution an inmate <laughs> that's why it's highlighted in a different color an inmate in a house of prostitution yeah good that's guess, a, right i mean dude that's a quote so i'm assuming that's what the law said yeah, from the law yeah 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 what the hell is that? An inmate in a house of prostitution? I don't know, man. I don't know what they have going on in Tennessee. It, dude, is that like is that like a, a like a kind of a modern, safe, non-cancelable way of saying a sex slave? Like you're it you're pimping. Sound, it does sound like that, man. But inmate, man, I, I guess maybe there's a legal definition that we don't know. I don't know. Anyways, or loiters in a public place for the purpose of being hired to engage in sexual activity, despite being aware that they have HIV, the DOJ argues that prostitutes should not be charged with more severe criminal sanctions because of their disability. The DOJ is calling AIDS their disability. The ACLU also filed a lawsuit against the state back in October of 2023 over the law, claiming that it disproportionately affects black and transgender women. The department announced in December 2023 that it had found the law was discriminatory and ordered the state not to enforce it, resulting in the lawsuit Thursday when Tennessee said, screw you, federal government, we're enforcing it anyways. I don't know. I just thought that was a little interesting to see a, a battle there between the states. You know, I've always said with 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 especially with AIDS, you know, prior to this whole Great Awakening type thing, um, that if you if you knowingly have AIDS or you believe that you have AIDS because the doctor told you that you have AIDS and you go out there and you have unprotected sex with somebody and you don't disclose to them that you have AIDS. Like I always felt like that should be a crime, man. Like giving yeah. somebody a proverbial death sentence by doing something like that without disclosing that to them. 
I, I don't know, man. Now well, yeah, but you wouldn't want that law on the books if, for instance, millions of people found out at the same time that they were given AIDS by a pharma company. You know, that's true, too. That's tr that's a good point. We are being informed in the chat, by the way, uh, EC saving us once again, um, that an inmate is a prostitute being held against her will. And we're going to say her for the sake of this example. Wait, say that again. It's basically like the idea that someone is sex trafficked here and then um, oh, okay. confined to life in a brothel of some sort. Uh like in, in in illicit uh house of sin yo did the did the rumble stream just go down i don't know it seems like it's working okay for me it mine just shot down to uh one person watching now so whoever that one person is hi mom <laughs> mine uh mine still says we have 6500 watching hey 6500 people if you can hit that thumbs up on rumble mine says one watching that's amazing i know I, that's why i said hi mom come on man that joke's got to land somewhere i'm with you brother right. i liked it and you know who's gonna like it the most your mom my mom who doesn't watch <laughs> yeah she doesn't know how to watch my mom doesn't know how okay all right. Well, at that time, since I showed the uh, one watching uh, for the one person out there watching, please hit that thumbs up button. We're going to jump into uh, the Fanny case here. Uh, I think I think there was it on the AIDS thing. There was there might have been something else that I was missing, but whatever, whatever. All right. So let's jump into this trial here. This case is all but dead. I called this, you know, several weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, um, that this case is going to implode. And I think it's deliberate. I think they're going to uh both sides i think it's deliberate i think the the gop in georgia and the democrats realize that this case has to go bye-bye or it will expose a lot more than they want it to expose but uh let's go ahead and jump into the trial itself this was um defendants counsel i think her name is stacy merchant i believe questioning ashley. robert ashley merchant excuse me ashley merchant questioning um uh, Robin Yearty, who allegedly was a 30 year long friend of Fannie Willis, worked, they went to college, they partied during college. They didn't go to college together, they partied during college together uh, in DC area and then uh, met up, you know, seven or eight years ago and they've been pretty good friends since then. Check this out. Um, do you know if Miss Willis and Mr. Wade started dating in October of 2019? I don't know if it was October of 2019. Could it possibly be November of 2019? Could possibly. Okay. Okay. Now, let me preface this a little bit for those that might not know. Uh, Fannie Willis alleged that their romantic relationship, her and Nathan Wade, did not begin until after uh, he was, was it, was it after he was hired or was it after the indictments came down? I think it was after he was hired as the lead prosecutor. So there was no, so the, the allegation here is that um, they had a, a romantic relationship prior to him being appointed as the lead prosecutor. And when we spoke, you said it was shortly after the municipal court conference, though, correct? Yes. Okay. So you know that their relationship, their personal relationship began shortly after this municipal court conference. Yes. And when I say personal, romantic. 
Is that is I just want to make sure we don't get in an argument over what personal and romantic is later. When I ask you personal, do you take that to mean romantic? Yes. And do you understand it that their relationship began in 2019 and continued until the last time you spoke with her? Yes. And you were essentially her best friend during this time, right? Not best friend, good friend. Good friend, okay, close friend. And so would you frequently socialize with her? Yes. Um, and you saw her at work every day? Yes. So you had a chance to see them interact together on a personal level? Yes. Um, and so from everything that you saw, heard, witnessed, um, it's your understanding that they were in a romantic relationship beginning in 2019. Yes. And um, when you left the DA, oh, I'm sorry, let me ask you, um, you said that Miss Willis came to live with you in April of 2021, I'm sorry, April 1st, 2020 or 2021? She didn't live I never lived Okay, I'm sorry. She took over your lease in April, April 1st, 2020, correct? No, 2021. 20, okay, I'm, I had it both ways, so I'm glad you clarified. So when she took over your lease in April 1st, 2021, it's your understanding she moved out of the house that she was sharing with her father and started staying at the condo? Yes. And is it your understanding that that's because she needed to have her own space? Yes. Away from her father? Yes. Okay. Um, when you left the DA's office, was it, um, were you fired? No, I resigned. You resigned. Okay. Okay. I think we can, we can stop there, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of Fanny's, well, they're not friends anymore, but they were, you know, pretty good friends up until that point. Um, saying that she, uh, you also have hold observations. On. I got another one. Mr. Hold on. Wade. Let me play this one. Uh, Ma'am, let me be very specific. Did you talk with Miss Willis about her romantic relationship? Is that the Babadook? The, the what? <laughs> the what? Anybody, anybody who's seen the movie The Babadook will uh, get it. Go oh, ahead. Yes. Did Miss Willis tell you on more than one occasion that she was engaged in a romantic relationship with Mr. Wade prior to you leaving the district attorney's office? Did she tell me or did I observe? I'm saying right now with the tell me. Yes. Did she tell you that in the year of 2020? Yes. In the year of 2021? Yes. Are you certain that Ms. Wade told you, I'm sorry, Ms. Willis told you about the romantic relationship with Mr. Wade prior to November 1st of 2021. Yes. Now, did you also have observations of Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis together prior to November 1st of 2021? Yes. And are those observations, were those in a social setting? Yes. And did you observe them do things that are uh, common among people having a romantic relationship? Yes. Such as, can you give us an example? 
hugging, kissing, just affection. All of all before November first of twenty twenty one, correct? Yes. All right. So there we have it. That's the, that's the part of the clip that I really wanted to get right there. Um, I mean, that's, that's going to pretty much seal the deal for this case right here. Uh, Fanny didn't do anything else throughout the, the, the trial so far yesterday to make that any better for her. Um, let me see. I got a couple more clips I want to play. This one was just absolutely hilarious. So I'm going to play this clip because, uh, I think it was citizen free press did a good job. So this is not edited. In, in terms of speeding it up or slowing it down, this is genuinely how long it took him to recall this, but they added in the little benefit here. Check this out. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. Ever. No. <laughs> so they had just gotten done asking him, and I should have set this up better. They had just got done asking him about $1,800, I think, that he spent on a cabin in Tennessee. And he was like, I don't, I don't remember going there. I don't recall that. And they're like, you don't recall going to a cabin in Tennessee and spending however much money you did there? No. Do you ever recall going to a cabin with her? And literally, it's like a 15-second pause of like... Yeah. Dude, I mean, it was like a, according to them, it was like a year long relationship. You can't remember going to a cabin. I don't know. I thought that was hilarious, man. There's something very, very strange going on here. And, uh, you know, people think that I'm nuts with this stuff, but there's not, there's not a, a good explanation for why this would be this way. We are watching really, really strange things happen. It's not good enough to just say these are all communists or incompetent. We, we have to figure out what is going on here. Because right now, so Ashley Merchant, the uh, attorney there, used to be a regular MSNBC contributor. I posted in Telegram this morning a video of her talking about the Mueller investigation and sealed indictments back in 2018. She used to be a regular guest on MSNBC. Now, does that mean anything? Does that mean she's a liberal? Does that mean she's M an MSNBC kind of person? No, it doesn't mean that. I don't know wh what her uh, politics are. But she's not really representing Donald Trump in this, right? She's representing this guy, Michael Roman, who apparently discovered this uh, personal history of uh, Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis. And so now we are getting this very um, soap opera style television show uh, about the the life and times of Fannie Willis and her her financial past and her romantic past. And again, I'm not trying to say that there's uh, no uh, conflicts of interest here, that she's not doing something unethical. I'm sure that all those things are true. But it was also unethical to bring up this fake trial in the first place. You know, everything about this is wrong. This is like one little smoke show that is a sideshow that's going to cover up everything else. And if all of this gets dismissed this way, um, I think that we will have seen what would be considered by the other side to be a very effective information operation where they get to accuse Donald Trump and all these other people of all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's been six months now, almost to the day 
since this indictment was handed down. Remember the indictment leaked before the indictment came out? Remember how crazy that was in August of last year? This whole thing has been a mess from the beginning, and now we are being pulled into a salacious side story that will ultimately capture everybody's attention. Then uh, the Fannie Willis takedown will occur, and then everybody's going to move on to something else. And this will just be forgotten about potentially. I mean, is that what they're going for? I don't know, man. But there's something very, very strange here. And uh, I'm not on board with that thing that's just like, let's get Fannie Willis. Like Fannie Willis being removed from this case. People people are like, let us have wins. Let us have wins. These aren't wins. Do it's you not want a win. to win or not? Like if you want to win, stop saying that you've won every time like that the mainstream media tells you something that that feels like it helps that's not winning that is that is incredible this is not a win folks if this case gets dismissed i mean look it is a win for the for the for the defendants because there is a lot of risk for them if they are convicted so i, mean, I understand is there is there i'm not even yeah. convinced that's yeah. true, the truth well i mean if they're convicted they're going to go to prison i mean you've got you know harrison floyd so yeah so, so if, if Donald Trump wins, wins, right? I'm not talking about winning an election. He can't do anything to this case. He can't do anything with this case. What do you this mean? Is a state, this is a state case. He can't pardon anybody in this. It's not about pardons. All of this stuff. There, there is evidence of malfeasance all the way up and down each and every little bit of this. All mm -hmm. of this stuff that we are seeing cannot be corrected without taking the country back. And if we fail to take the country back, then it will not be corrected. If we do take the country back, then it will all be corrected. And none of this. So well, <clears throat> we're getting into all of these um, side issues. Did you ever used to play video games like uh, Grand Theft Auto, for instance, or like Assassin's Creed? One of these games where there's a central quest and then there are all these side quests, right? We're off on side quests right now. And the... Uh, the success or failure of these side quests in relation to our perspective right now is virtually irrelevant. All that matters is whether or not we win the main quest because then the side quests will ultimately take care of themselves. Um, this is a side quest and I don't know, man. Well, I look, I, I mean, I'm with you on victory here, kind of being the exoneration towards getting everything remedied and fixed, but, but, in the meantime, especially because this is a state case and not a federal case, uh, there will be implications for even Donald Trump if there's a guilty plea in this. But that, yeah. again, is one of the reasons why I think this case goes away, because they don't want this case. And what, what you just brought up about Ashley Merchant being a former MSNBC contributor, I didn't realize that. It, it kind of makes this make a lot more sense. Have you, You've seen this clip, I'm sure, by now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean she's she's part of the TV show and she's a she's a TV attorney now running well, a TV lawsuit. So, hold yeah, on. so that's that's not her, but this was MSNBC right. while the trial was going on. Just here, let me play this clip first. The legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think, uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified. Um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court, it's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. And do you feel the same way, Charles, based on the testimony of what we just heard? 
and we just learned Nathan Wade, who is the special prosecutor. Okay, that's just them saying <clears throat> that's just them saying he's coming back in there. But you have this situation where an MSNBC contributor comes on and says it's game over for this case. Fannie Willis is gone and blah, blah, blah. And then the way you lay it out there about Merchant, about, you know, representing Mike Roman and Mike Roman is given the stuff from, you know, God knows how this like somebody just called him up and was like, hey, buddy, I got some stuff on Fannie Willis. You're going to want to see this. I, I mean, it just makes no sense. It makes and no Conning, sense. And Conning Media has loved this story now for the last six weeks or whatever it is. And again, not saying it's wrong. It's just why this story? You know, right. is this really the like Fannie Willis's sexual relationship with this prosecutor? This is the the key focus here. If they are allowed to uh, take this case down and wipe all of this away without anyone um, getting to the bottom of any of these issues, that doesn't seem like a win to me. Uh, you know, and Trump is going hard that Fannie should be removed. That is all wonderful, right? Donald Trump is there uh, manipulating a narrative. I have done a, a episodes about how Donald Trump is always mid-negotiation. He is always like twisting. Hey, have you ever watched a professional like house DJ do his job like or, or a club DJ work? They are always constantly like mixing with levels. And I think that to tell you the truth, they're just trying to look busy, but it kind of is a good visual representation for what Donald Trump is doing within the narrative. He's just like adjusting things just slightly. Oh, I'm going to go a little bit up here on the hate fanny thing and go a little bit down here on this. He is doing that to get feedback and push a public narrative along and change the public conversation. He is one of the only people in the world who is able to do that with virtually everything he says. I would say that Elon Musk maybe falls in that category. Kanye West does. Maybe Vladimir Putin does. There aren't a lot of people in the world who have that kind of uh, effect for when they decide to influence narratives. So you got to let Trump be Trump. Trump is doing a separate thing. He's not like leading you in a straight path down to the end. He's leading you in a path that goes all over the place. And the point is understanding why we're going to take each one of those steps and each one of those perspectives. It's not latching on to his latest stated viewpoint as the correct one and the one that we should then carry forward. It is just information among other information. And so we got to watch this thing, man, and stop doing it as like, uh, we're cheering in the stands for one side when we don't even know what the sides here are. If you ask me, this is the uniparty and the uniparty contesting itself in a TV show to create some sort of effect with us. Yeah, I'm already seeing the comments on social media on, on face, uh, well, excuse me, on X. Uh, mainly where you have these leftists coming out and saying, oh, Trump's going to get off in Georgia and it's going to be bullshit because there was so much evidence and all this other stuff. And they're going to use that and they're going to say he got off on on procedure standing, uh, not excuse me, not standing on uh, procedural issues and and conflicts and all this other stuff. And, and nobody ever saw the evidence in it. And it's like, yo, that that has been our 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 battle cry for the last three years in terms of the 2020 election, which is actually why. He's on trial here right now, but this is literally happening. I saw this last night a few times uh, where people like I would go and look and, and that's exactly what they were saying. Uh, I saw one person. I, I actually screenshot this because I thought it was just like I I called this right off the bat. It said it's nice to be a liberal because court filings based on the Constitution and laws and facts matter and the bullshit in the world will not change that saying that 
you know, we, we stand on facts and, 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 uh, and facts that matter and they're dismissing this case. Well, they're likely going to dis uh, dismiss Fanny at least, but let's, uh, I want to play this clip right here because I, let, let me say one more, let me say one more thing about this. And I also want to look into this, um, this Donald Trump truth post, I would expect liberals to uh, take that point of view because they actually believe that they have the evidence in their favor. It would do it, it would be wise for us all to remember that right after Fannie Willis uh, released this indictment, I believe it was the next day, August 15th, that Donald Trump announced he was going to do a press conference and share the evidence of election fraud that would immediately blow up Fannie Willis's case. Then he has threatened to bring it up at different times. All of these have been narrative distractions and misdirection. He has then moved on from that. And you have to know that that thing is going to come back around. All that evidence is there and exists. And maybe this is their move to try to get out of that while still tainting Donald Trump with this guilt. Um, it's worth noting, and maybe we can find this on Truth Social. Actually, why don't you, uh, why don't you go through the next video and then we'll come to this uh, in sure. a minute. I want to find this on Truth. All right, so this is a clip I, I mashed up yesterday of Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis. And uh, I, I just, I find it incredibly coincidental that they had the same exact response. Did your relationship with Ms. Willis end? 2023. Can you give us an approximation of, not by date, but by month? Uh, summer 2023. Um, forgive me. I'm a man. We don't do the date thing. Um, summer 23, I would say. June, maybe. Um, Ms. Willis, when, how did you know to come into the courtroom right then? There were people I was pacing in my office. Okay. And um, I heard someone yell, his testimony is done. Um, it only made sense to me that I would be your next witness. And I've been very anxious to have this conversation with you today. So I ran to the courtroom. So as soon as um, you heard that Mr. Wade was done testifying, that's when you just assumed you would be the next witness? It only makes sense. Um, did you listen to any of the testimony? I've been in my office pacing, ma'am. Uh, no, let's... You just have an answer to the question. I'm, I can handle this, Seda. Let's you have a, asked about a personal relationship. She asked when the romantic relationship ended. That's the question. It, sometime in... Um, I'd say late summer of 2023. So I don't believe me and um, with this, what you're really asking about, this is the salaciousness of all of this, right? So I'm just uh, asking about your romantic relationship. When you stopped dating. I, I, I think that me and Mr. Wade, so he's a man. He probably would say June or July. I would say we had a tough conversation in August. Forgive me. I'm a, I'm a man. We don't. So he's a man. He June, maybe probably would say June or July. Um, did you listen to any of the testimony? I've been in my office pacing, ma'am. Bro. What are the odds that both of them have the same exact explanation for why he doesn't know the date that it's because he's a man. He would say June. But then she goes on to say that they had a really serious conversation. Now I'm old enough to remember my breakups in, you know, high school and everything else, or I'm young enough, I should say. And I remember the serious conversations. Like, you know, I don't remember the exact dates anymore because that was 25 years ago, but I can remember those serious conversations. And that was the 
that was the moment you knew, like, this is no more. We're not together anymore. And he's off by two months. She's, I don't know, man. That that did not well, sit well. I mean, he's literally, they're talking about a date six months ago that also would have coincided with what you would expect to be one of the most significant moments of Fannie Willis's life, which is bringing this indictment against the quote unquote former president. That would be in August of 2023. And so we're supposed to believe that they don't know when their relationship ended relative to that date. Like, did it end a week before you indicted the quote unquote former president? Did it end two weeks before or had it been a while? I mean, that's the sort of thing that any normal human would remember because it was six months ago. Yep. And it was a pretty significant thing. So yeah. uh, I want to play this one because this is just hilarious. And you'll probably think that this is. I don't know. And did the, and the, did the forthcoming indictment have anything to do with that? Ooh. Or was it just a coincidence? <clears throat> Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. I'm just asking you whether or not it was a coincidence. It had absolutely nothing to do with this. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I would give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No. Sure. But I'm sure we'll talk about it further. No, we're not going to talk about it further. I All right. No back and forth. Let's sit down. There. <laughs> now make me a sandwich. I mean, this is like made for uh, made for commies television. That was exactly what Ash said. This is like an episode of like, you know, suits or something like that. Like this is, it literally had that feel to it, man. So do you want to pull up that, uh, that Trump truth social post? Let me do, let me do one more real quick, because this is yeah, something that this has been something that's been going around and we got plenty from that trial yesterday in this case. And I'm not sure. I, I immediately jumped out and was like, okay, this was a big, a, a big, uh, uh, admission by Fanny, but I don't think it was. And, and, and we gotta, we gotta kind of cut this off before it gets too crazy. Cause they'll use this as, you know, saying, oh, we don't understand what's going on here. Uh, check this clip out. It's been, I don't know all my life if you're a woman and you go on a date with a man you better have 200 dollars in your pocket so if that man acts up you can go where you want to go so i keep cash in my house and i don't keep cash as good in my purse like i used to um i don't go on many dates but when you go on a date you should have cash in your pocket so my question was where did that cash originally come from if it didn't came out of the bank cash is uh fungible we had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, when you go to Publix and you buy something, you get $50, you throw it in there. When it's been my whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like to tell you. Okay. And that's the thing right there. When, when I, when I took out some of the money on my first campaign, uh, you know, I kept some of that cash. Now, a lot of people are saying that Fannie Willis admitted to breaking campaign laws and violations there. She went on later in that in that trial to say that she funded her first campaign, the 2018 judicial campaign, and she 
put $50,000 into that campaign. And, uh, you know, I think by a lot of people focusing on that, it's distracting from the actual uh, contents that was that was substantive in that. Um, this is her Georgia government transparency campaign finance form. This was the first one she filed in that 2018 race. And you can see that she started out with $45,000 and she said she funded 50,000. So mm -hmm. it would make sense that what Fanny was actually saying there, and I hate defending her, trust me, I hate defending her. What she's actually saying there is I pulled out 50,000 to put into my campaign and I kept 5,000 of that before putting it in. And if that's the case, if that's what she did, that's not illegal. Now, if she did pull the 50,000 or pull money out of the campaign itself and keep that, that is illegal. But I, I don't think she broke yeah. the law. Just need to I mean, man, I can only, uh, all, all I think when I, when I see an issue like this being widely talked about is what an absolute waste of time it is because, you know, and, and I, I get it. Right. I understand people want to get into the nitty gritty of this stuff. People like proof in these documents and stuff, but this doesn't matter. The only thing that matters here is uh, how this situation plays out and plays forward. The idea that people are going to spend their day arguing about the semantics or the numbers that are on some filing form back then, all that stuff seems like arguing about details of a fiction as far as I'm concerned. To me, see, all of that is irrelevant. But that's the point is that is being used to distract us Exactly. From the actual contents, from the year T testimony, from from Nathan Wade saying that he did go to the condo when year T was there. And then Fonny saying, no, year T and Wade were never at the condo together. Uh, you know, things like the, the the discrepancy or the not discrepancies, but the striking similarities and how they describe the end of their relationship uh, because he's a man. Uh, those are things that we're getting away from. And we're focusing on like a bone that she threw out there. Like, I'm going to I'm going to trick these motherfuckers mofos into thinking that uh i i committed some campaign finance violation and now that's what everybody's on and it's like i mean granted she could have she could have done that but, sure but yeah well, i don't think so. i mean like there we have bigger fish to fry yeah. and uh and gosh man i mean in terms of ways to to make something go away get everybody off on to the wrong path i mean Gosh, it's it's a very um very strange situation. All right, I don't so know something about this. Something about this is really like it's really bothering me. There's this is too um it's just not real, man. It's not real. Anyway, go ahead. No, go. You wanted to, you wanted to, you sent me this. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So this is this is Trump's um Truth Social post from last night. He says they're talking about the Georgia Fanny scandal all over the world. In fact, by far, it is trending number one. I can't believe the Georgia state judiciary or the governor can be happy about this humiliating embarrassment. It was a fake case in all capital letters. I mean, Trump says it. It was a fake case from the start. And now everybody sees it for what it is, a major league scandal. The legal pundits, experts, and scholars are all screaming that this witch hunt, which has hurt so many fine people and patriots, should be immediately terminated and permanently erased from everyone's memory. <laughs> the stench of what has happened should shame Georgia no longer. It should get back to greatness and fast. And so we'll see. I have a feeling that this is going to repeat um, patterns like we've seen with uh, Joe Biden that I, and uh, and Robert Menendez, 
I believe it is kind of uh, a a goal, maybe a potentially good positive outcome to take these powerful figures on that side of things, make it so that they are totally disgraced in public to the point where, uh, you know, quote unquote, everybody knows that this person could never be elected. Everybody knows that this person has no reputation or standing remaining for people in the party of false decorum. That's generally all that matters. And then they have to stay in that position anyway and go through with doing the job they were, you know, set to do uh, with their reputation in tatters. I think it's going to be interesting to see Robert Menendez try to uh, get reelected at, in his Senate seat in New Jersey with his reputation in tatters. Joe Biden running for, quote unquote, uh, re-election as president with his reputation in tatters. They want to remove him. The regime wants to remove him. They're not going to be able to remove him. That is what that is the pattern I think we've seen twice with Menendez and Biden, if it holds, and that we might see with Fannie as well. And so, you know, to that extent, then you see this as a uh, sensible, two-sided, uniparty regime operation to remove Fannie Willis. Unable to do it, they will have to press forward with Fannie Willis, thus making this whole thing um, far greater exposure than it would have ever been before. I think that what this is, what we're watching, is um, a failed and backfiring takedown attempt. I, I mean, I'm with you 100%. I do think this is absolutely a fake case i mean we, we we had the admission from newt gingrich or the claim from newt gingrich that fanny was pressured into doing this there's uh fanny said yesterday she never went to the white house in dc like they they made it a point to get that out and i've got uh, a story that i'm going to write this morning when we get done here um with with her on the white house logs like she lied again under oath but again you know looking or, at or they're just faking the white house logs I mean, could be, could the, be. The problem is, the problem is, we we know that neither that none of these sources are authoritative in any way or could be trusted, and then we still pretend that one of these sources is definitely trustworthy in relation to Fannie Willis, who we know not to be trustworthy, right? Well, I I, I can't, I I that I'm not gonna. Uh, so we're okay. we're not able to get visitor logs to Joe Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home, and we are supposed to believe at the same time that White House visitor, visitor logs are full and accurate. I, I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean I, I'm going to I, I gonna do more, more due diligence on this, but I, I do believe that these logs are in fact real. And it's been reported before that she was in the White House. That yeah, she, it, sure, it definitely has been reported. It definitely has been reported. And, it so, yeah. and I'm not disputing that the logs might say that. I am saying that what we have is an infiltration so thorough and a media concoction of what is going on that is so um, so saturated throughout this entire story that there's no reason to believe any particular part of it and then assume, oh, we've got her dead to rights because this is what the White House visitor logs show. The White House visitor logs, in my mind, are by no means any authoritative source. That's it. Well, see, now I'm now. No, I'm <laughs> Crystal says now Brian's not thinking about it. No, I'm definitely going to write the article, guys. Um, you should the, the absolutely write the article and point out the discrepancy and that one of these things or both must be false. But we have to remember that there's also that or both possibility. Right. Well, I, I think, again, going back to Newt Gingrich, when he said that he was told or he has sources, again, 
kind mm -hmm. of kind of questionable there um that he has sources that fani was rushed to put out this press statement uh going back to august when you said when they when they first announced the indictments dude she did a press release at, at 11 p.m at night who does that who does that the biggest case like this was everything for her and then what was it the next day there was something with hunter biden that came out the very next day and it was just another part of that you know put Trump in the media at the same time as Hunter and Joe and, and kind of, you know, wash down whatever happened with the Bidens, um, you know, going back to your, your, your gripes about the case itself and how fake this case is this case, a Rico case. Okay. Uh, nor typically, I mean, how long was Giuliani going after the mob in New York? I mean, that was a years long uh, investigation to go after that. And now all of a sudden you want us to believe that a district attorney who talks like that, like the woman we saw yesterday, uh, an absolute train wreck of an individual. And she was able to put together this case with her lead prosecutor being a guy who has never tried a felony case, never tried a Rico case, was a municipal court judge handing out traffic tickets. And, and they were able to put this case together against a former president and the front runner for the Republican Party in less than a year. Meanwhile, Garland Favrito's case to see the ballots is going on 450 days without a fucking trial. Um, yeah, so we can obviously see that there are problems in the justice system right now. You mentioned uh, Fannie's competence and this indictment. If I'm not mistaken, um, I, I can go find this as we move on. But uh, this Twitter account, Blue Canaries, did some research about, um, I want to say, I want to say it's the uh, the Brennan Center, but I might be getting the think tank wrong, the, the globalist think tank. Uh, let me get back to this. Norm Eisen had basically written out like these white papers on if you were going to indict Donald Trump, here's exactly how to do it. And it basically was uh, paint by numbers down through three of these four indictments, if memory serves. And this was one of them. So she didn't actually put the indictment together. Norm Eisen put the indictment together. She published the indictment. Fannie Willis actually seems like she is uh, legitimately scorned, you know, it seems like there's something that she's not getting out of this too. So there can be actors on all sides of this. There can be regime assets on all sides of this. And still people can be acting authentically. And I think that that's the part of this situation we often forget or ignore. Fannie Willis looks like she is very upset that she is getting screwed over. It seems like she is authentically of the belief that she is getting screwed over. And it's entirely possible that she was told, hey, Fannie Willis, just do all these things this way. This is how the office is going to arrange all of these things. You just need to go uh, explain to the, the, the press. You need to help us organize these things. You need to be our strong, black, smart woman who is going to be in charge of leading this RICO conspiracy case to bring down the quote unquote former president. And she says, all right, let's go. I'm down for this cause because all the communists are always down for the cause. They believe the thing they're doing is the most important thing that has ever been done all the time. Now, if at some point during her doing that, her being told the whole time that these people have her back, it's yep. all going to be a total success. She is going to be seen as a star. She's the next senator. She's the next governor, whatever it is. She's got all these, uh, these rewards lined up for her after the fact. And then they decide during that time to pull the plug because someone found out about her past or they make up a past because they need to get out of this thing. And they're like, you know what we're going to take down? We're going to take down Fannie Willis. 
it seems like maybe that's the sort of thing that's happening because she seems authentically very upset and like she has no idea what's going on. As for the cash, man, I mean, tracing cash, she's right. Cash is fund fungible. Tracing cash throughout this thing and saying you gave cash for this or that, they're never going to be able to prove that. And also, it's not weird to keep cash in your house. It's not weird to make a habit of going to the grocery store. Every time you get your groceries once or twice a week, you get out another 50 bucks. That $50 in cash goes in the safe. That's uh, your rainy day fund. There's nothing weird about that. Like she's not expressing some crazy like criminal intent by saying all that stuff. And it's strange to me that it's being portrayed that way. I don't know, man. This is all just too weird for me. It's funny because that concept is actually more right wing extremist than anything. Keeping cash and, and you know, anytime you get paid in cash, putting it aside and, you know, whatever it may be. I, I don't exactly know the specifics, but that's a right wing ideology right there. Keeping cash and, and uh, you know, a nest egg somewhere hidden. Fanny and I are probably I mean, she's maybe a little bit older than me. I'm 45. I don't know how old she is. Um, my black friends that I grew up with. Their dads were of the mind that, yeah, you got to keep a little bit aside. Like we're, we're not letting the man know anything about this, right? There's nothing weird about that. That is as American as apple pie. So I, I think you, I, I think Fanny, Fanny, whatever, I do think she is being thrown under the bus. I do think that now that, and, and the merchant thing was, was big, the MSNBC. Now I'm not saying that she's doing anything mischievous. Well, um, I'm not either. But 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 these people are I, I don't even want to say useful idiots because I don't think they're all it. Well, Fanny's Fanny's an idiot, uh, but Merchant, I don't necessarily think is an idiot. Uh, she just was fed something, thought it was going to be extremely great for her case. And she put it out there. I don't think there was Maybe. like, you know, anything going on behind the scenes. But whoever is controlling this, you know, narrative, so to speak, well, not even the narrative, but the whole case, so to speak, down in, in Georgia wants it to disappear. This case is going to be incredibly detrimental to the election fraud narrative that they've been trying to push and uh yeah that's why they had to kill it but all right we gotta we gotta move on from this i want to go ahead and jump into uh our next two sponsors for the show and uh guys with renewal season and open enrollment behind us it's important to note that we at mid-atlantic business alliance are still able to help you enroll into cigna ppo insurance plans david becker and his son jesse of mid-atlantic business alliance are here to help you get the best possible ppo insurance coverage at affordable rates if you think the cost of groceries has exploded, you should see what hospitals are charging these days. Without proper PPO protection, you could be liable for tens of thousands of dollars in the event of a surgery or a hospital stay. At Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance has been helping small businesses and self-employed individuals save money and get the best possible insurance protection since 1990. Having great nationwide coverage like Cigna will help keep your costs down while providing the highest level of coverage. Call David to get a free quote at 609 577-8557 or visit badlandsmedia.tv slash Becker. Again, that's 609-577-8557 or visit badlandsmedia.tv slash Becker. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, up until now, the central bank digital currency, the digital dollar has been nothing but a headline. But right now, things are developing at a rapid pace. It started with a sweeping executive order from the Biden administration, and now central banks are even hiring for the development. Here's the thing. A digital dollar can be used to track your purchases, control what you buy, and even seize or freeze your assets. And that's why it's critical you protect your money with precious metals like gold and silver. We've partnered with the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co., because they're a great company with an amazing 
amazing reputation. And right now they're giving you up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. Plus all qualified callers this week will receive a free Ronald Reagan silver coin. Don't wait until all of your money is under Biden's control. Go to badlandsgold.com to learn how you could get started today. Again, that's badlandsgold.com. And speaking of talking about hiding money and everything else right there, boom, there it is. Gold. And of course, Mid-Atlantic Business Alliance, David Becker, good friend of the show and, and of, of Badlands, great patriot and a longtime uh, listener of, of John and you guys. So check them hey, out. It's you too, man. Well, I mean, he's been around with you guys with Devolution and everything like that going you know, way back. So, And that's actually a good segue into this story right here because this just got a little bit more interesting yesterday, the documents and, uh, uh, or excuse me, the Joe Biden Ukraine story. So from the Epic Times, classified documents relating to Ukraine found in Biden's office, special counsel reveals. Now this is going back to February 9th. And there's a, an important, I know this is kind of a, a little bit of a rerun, but there's an important reason I'm doing this. It says President Joe Biden retained documents related to Ukraine that were classified as secret or confidential. According to the Her report, the FBI found a folder labeled VP personal containing two documents, a telephone call sheet and talking points for a call with then Ukrainian Prime Minister Arseny Yatsenyuk, which are Arseny Yatsenyuk, excuse me, which occurred on December 11th, 2015. And it was marked as secret. There's a handwritten note from Biden asking his executive assistants to, quote, get a copy of this conversation from the Situation Room for my records, please. And, quote, the document was labeled confidential and, quote, eyes only do not copy. Now, reading on, it says President Biden kept a memo with the subject line, quote, U.S. energy assistance to Ukraine from September of 2014. Hunter Biden joined the board of Ukrainian company Burisma in May of 2014. So before that came out. Now, I did think this was funny. This is completely off topic from where I'm going with this, but it says the report states President Biden and the Ukrainian prime minister did not engage in any substantive policy discussion. There may be technical or nuanced reasons to maintain the classification of the call, but no reasonable jury could conclude that the call or its contents were national defense information after the end of the Obama administration, or that by asking for a transcript of the call, Biden intended to retain national defense information. Keep that in mind as we move on to the charges that were just dropped yesterday. It goes on to say a confidential humans, a confidential source provided information to the FBI in 2020, alleging that President Biden and his son were bribed to pressure Ukraine to remove a prosecutor investigating Burisma. After the disclosure of an investigation into Burisma, Viktor Shokin in 2016, uh, the prosecutor general hired by Ukraine, uh, the source informed, excuse me, after the disclosure of an investigation into Burisma by Ukraine's Viktor Shokin in 2016, the source info informed Mykola Zlochevsky, the owner of Burisma, that it could negatively affect the company's pro prospective initial public offering. They were trying to buy a company in the U.S. Mr. Zolchevsky replied that Mr. Hunter Biden, quote, will take care of all of the issues through his dad, end quote, according to the document. Now, this is referring to the, I think it's the FD 1023 form. Um, and then, of course, we have the son of a bitch was fired. Mr. Shokin has said that the threat was cited when he was ousted. He said in a sworn statement, that then Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko asked him to resign because of, quote, pressure from the U.S. presidential administration, in particular from Joe Biden. And then we get this today. Uh, well, let me go to the actual story right here. 
FBI informant charged with lying about Joe and Hunter Biden's ties to Ukrainian e energy company. Uh, so, so this guy, what's his name? Alexander Smirnoff has now been charged over that FD 1023 form saying that he lied in that form. It says Alexander Smirnoff falsely told FBI agents in June of 2020 that executives associated with the Ukrainian energy company Burisma paid Hunter and Joe Biden $5 million each in 2015 or 2016, Smirnoff told the FBI that a Burisma executive have claim, had claimed to have hired Hunter Biden to, quote, protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems, end quote. Prosecutors say that Smirnoff claimed to have had contact with Burisma executives near the end of the Obama administration, but it actually took place after they left office when Biden would have no ability to influence U.S. policy. Who believes that, by the way? that the Bidens and Obamas have no ability to influence U.S. policy after they left office? Get the hell out of here. Dude's got classified documents throughout D.C. Please. He repeated and, some of the false... And they, and they left their shadow government there in the deep state and the administrative state. So the idea that Obama people are not uh, in, a, in a significant way running things in the uh, subversive administrative state under Donald Trump's first term. That's, I mean, that's crazy. That's just counterfactual. Didn't Obama buy like a, an elaborate home in DC and then have like yeah, right 10, down the street, $10 million worth of fiber optics and all sorts of other command and control stuff installed in the, into that home. I mean, he's running, he's running a, a, a de facto, uh, I don't want to say white house, but a de facto situation room. Yeah. A shadow government. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and yeah, so anyways, uh, it says he repeated some of the false claims when he was interviewed by FBI agents in September 2023 and changed his story about others as, and quote, promoted a new false narrative that he said he met with Russian officials. Uh, Smirnoff was indicted on charges of making false statement and creating a false and fictitious record. So I'm jumping around all over the place now here. Um, Chad Pergram says Comer on the arrest of FBI informant and in connect connection with Hunter Biden probe says, quote, the impeachment inquiry is not relying on the FBI's FD 1023. It's based on a large record of evidence, including bank records and witness testimony. Just this week, we had another witness confirm Joe Biden was the the brand being sold by the Bidens around the world. I think that's referring to Bob Alinsky, who was sat down for a deposition last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, President Biden continues to lie to the American people about this matter, and the American people demand the truth and accountability for any wrongdoing. And then there was something else. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place with this. Oh, this was interesting as well. Uh, this was, I believe, last week. Oh, this was back at the very end of January. The White House refusing to hand over early drafts of President Biden's 2015 Ukraine speech where he called for the firing of the Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. These drafts are important as, is, as it is believed, based on public reporting, that then-VP, quote-unquote, called an audible and changed U.S. policy towards Ukraine to benefit his son and the plane ride to Ukraine. Joe Biden later bragged about withholding the loan guarantee, blah, 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 blah. Now, the reason I bring this up, and this is something you know I, I harp on all the time because it's the most damning piece of evidence in the entire Joe Biden thing, and that's the email... The, 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 the contract between Sally Painter, Hunter Biden, Rosemont Seneca, and, and, um, and um, Pozarski, Vadim Pozarski, as, as John you know, discovered and put, put the whole thing together, the Blue Star Strategies thing. Fox mm -hmm. News eventually picked it up like months later and said, yep, this is, this is actually true. They literally sold the influence of Joe Biden. And this is in the Hunter's emails. This isn't in the 1023. And now they're going after this guy. And 
it, it's going to be pretty interesting. I think they said that the trial, uh, you know, should be coming up in the next few months. It's not going to be something overly complicated. Um, it's going to be interesting to see this. Uh, there was, oh shit, there was something I just had in my head and I couldn't. Hold on. I'm, oh man, I'm sorry, guys. The Blue Star thing? No, no, no. We were talking about the the speech that he made. Uh, they won't give over the drafts. I wonder why, right? I wonder why they won't give. Oh, wasn't there like a whole bunch of stuff that came out from our, our own Treasury and our own State Department saying that Ukraine was complying with uh, anti-corruption matters and that they did recommend giving them the loan guarantee? Like, di didn't that come out like a few months ago? I'm not, I don't want to answer that because I don't know if I'm thinking of exactly the same thing you are. Um, what is, uh, what, what are you thinking though? Assuming that you are correct about your, your memory. That Joe, that Joe Biden did exactly that. He called an audible because in that, in, in mm -hmm. that Pizarski email, they have the contract. Pizarski said, I wired you $60,000. I, th I think it was 60,000. Pizarski says, I, I wired you the money. And just to be clear that we're, we're getting the same guarantees out of this contract, we need favorable opinions from a high ranking U.S. official. And it turned out to be the second highest ranking right, right. U.S. official uh, to, to say good things about Zolchevsky and, and Ukraine and, or excuse me, Burisma in order to, you know, kind of put aside this thing with the prosecutor. And instead he went over there and was like, oh, I'll one up you. I'll get that mother fired. And went over there and got him fired. And he, he clearly called an audible. If the Department of Treasury is saying, hey, Ukraine is doing good enough now that we can give them this loan guarantee. And Joe Biden now won't hand over the drafts before he went over there for the speech. Dude, I mean, come on. And, and, and they arrest the guy that's, that's trying to blow the whistle on it, who in the 1023 said it would take them 10 years to be able to unravel all this money, to be able to mm -hmm. figure out where it came from. And now all the, all of a sudden the FBI did it in what is it two years? I, I, I this this stinks, man. You know the other thing about getting uh, Shokin fired that I think uh, um, people sometimes tend to forget is that Joe Biden is over in Ukraine. the The story that he's telling in that um, talk before the Council on Foreign Relations, where he says, "Well, son of a bitch," you know, and they uh, they had said. Well, you know, this isn't Barack Obama's policy. And Joe Biden says, well, you know, go call him. Go call him. Right. So either he is announcing that he is subverting the president of the United States or the president of the United States knows that he is selling his office and corrupt. Either way, both he and Obama are are toast. I mean, I can't wait for this story to unravel. And for everybody, honestly, this is one of those things that like being a person who was, uh, you know, a Democrat voter in Hollywood and voted for Obama and was in um, a, a social group of people who were Obama supporters and then dealing with what I dealt with from them from 2015 on after I had decided not to support Bernie Sanders when that was the Hollywood thing to do in 2016. Watching the Obama mythology crumble in front of them is going to be glorious. Just from really, my own personal sake. No, I, I'm I'm with you, dude. A hundred percent, I'm with you. Uh, I, I this this uh, what's what was his name? Smirnoff. Uh, this Smirnoff, Alexander Smirnoff trial just got like 
probably on the top of my radar now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I realize I'm not nearly as in depth in this as, as you know, Kyle is or, or John, uh, but that's going to be fascinating. Like, I want to see what the lie was because that's that's what they did to Flynn. I mean, that's what they did to General Flynn. That's what they did to um, who else? Have they? I mean, they do that all the time. You make a false statement to the FBI and, and all of a sudden, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be knowingly false. Joe Biden just made a shit ton of false statements, told his ghostwriter classified information, but because he's senile. And that was the joke I was trying to land back there. And I did it completely wrong. This guy Smirnoff just has to say, oh, I didn't know. I you know, I forgot about it. I forgot. It was just a, a mistake. I didn't do anything on purpose. But um, yeah, I, just, I don't know, man. I just thought that that was really fascinating that this guy gets arrested and all the evidence, all the evidence shows that not only is that guy right, but that, mm-hmm. I mean, the new Bobolinsky deposition saying that they absolutely peddled Joe Biden, you know, I mean, what more do you need, really? It's going to be interesting watching it all unravel. Yep. All right. Let's bang through these next couple uh, articles here. I know I say this all the time, but whatever. Axios, Congress scrambles for backup plan on Ukraine and Israel aid. Congress are searching for desperately for an alternate route, alternate, alternate route to pass aid to Ukraine and Israel for the implosion of the House's Israel bill and the Senate's national security package for Ukraine in particular. There is bipartisan concern that the aid could mean the difference between continued resistance and defeat at the hands of the Russian forces in the coming months. Wait till you hear this gaslight. We cannot walk away from Ukraine, said Representative Ann Custer from New Hampshire. I would venture to say thousands of American lives will be lost if we do. Putin will go into Poland and will respond and World War III will be upon us. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever read. That is the dumbest thing I have ever read. <laughs> I mean, the she is creating the potential for a World War III if certain hypotheticals fall into place in a certain way in an alternate universe, and then trying to convince everybody that that situation is virtually 100% if we don't give them this money right now. That's madness. Unless she's talking about the thousands of Americans dying. Um, If she is referring to uh, all of those members of the Uniparty who are engaged in this subversion and usurpation of the United States of America, if they are all tried and adequately punished for treason, if that is what she's talking about, then A-okay. I, you know, I have no idea what she's talking about. I've, we, we've, we've hashed this out many times on, on Badlands Daily and, and all the shows that I'm on. There is zero, not only zero evidence, but zero logic behind Russia invading Poland. That would be the, look, I, I mean, like Putin or not, he's not an idiot. He's not an idiot. And he knows what going into Poland would mean. It's just the most absurd thing you could ever think of. Yeah. I mean, potentially, potentially. So if, if you look at this, the way I look at this, right, we have the global regime and we have all of these various sovereign leaders around the world trying to maintain their countries as sovereign nations rather than be subsumed by this global regime into that one world, uh, rules based liberal international order. Right. If we look at it from that perspective and we, 
see the good twin, evil twin faction as it exists in every country, then surely there is one in Poland as well. Now, people like Annie Custer might think that Vladimir Putin is going to uh, provide support, for instance, to the sovereigns within Poland who want to fully remove the regime faction from Poland. And Vladimir Putin might help them do that. And if at some point that goes kinetic in some way, then they will say that is Vladimir Putin invading Poland, just as they are going to do, or just as they did with uh, Xi in Hong Kong a few years ago, just as they will do with Xi and uh, Taiwan in the near future, just as they did with Russia, Ukraine. This is the um, this is the, the the template. This is what they're going for. When a sovereign leader exerts any degree of force in removing the global regime's infiltration from a country, they they call that an invasion. They say that that is an act of war, that someone else has started a war with them. That's not true. This regime has to be removed from everywhere, and it'll occasionally be dirty in certain places. I'm not I, worried I, about I, World War III at all, especially not once Trump gets back there. And if Trump's not back there, then we haven't won. And you know, we have much bigger concerns than World War III in Poland. We're going to have it here. So, you know, there are a series of things that we should be extraordinarily worried about if we lose all these other things here, right? If we lose here, it's going to get much, much worse everywhere else. But regardless of what happens everywhere else, if we don't win here, the whole thing's shot in the first place, right? So that from that perspective, these things are external in some way. This is one of those worries that is such a small likelihood where this thing could ever be the uh, the important thing that starts World War III. It's not going to be. It's silly. I, I, I find it hard to believe that we have a con – well, not. It, I don't find it hard to believe. I find it, it – it infuriates me that we have a congresswoman out there, you know, promoting this this idea of sending sure. and by the way i i I, talk, I i said this last night uh, the, the u.s marine corps budget is 50 billion dollars a year give or take and we want to send more than the marine corps budget over to ukraine for uh you know for for their for for their war whatever we're more likely the the, the likelihood of putin having any influence other than maybe a speech or something like that over what goes on in the inner workings of poland I mean, it's it's far more likely that you would have, you know, somebody like like Hungary or the United States or somebody else. If like you said, if Donald Trump doesn't win, we we might be in a lot of trouble with with all of this. But Putin, you know, exerting influence on 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 uh, Hong Kong, on Taiwan, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a member of NATO. I, I don't think he would ever do this. I think it's far more likely that you have like a false flag like we tried to see in the Ukraine war. Remember, they tried to push this on us already that, mm -hmm. oh, Russia fired a missile into Poland, remember? And then it landed and everybody was like, holy shit, Russia shot a missile at Poland. And then we're like looking at it and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a tail fin from a Ukrainian, you know, missile. And and thank God we had, you know, good, uh, whether it was Anons or whoever it was out there that caught that and said, that's not a, a Russian missile. That I think is far more likely to see a false flag, you know, another 9-11 type event, whatever you want to call it. Um, but anyways, let's jump back into this real quick. Some Republicans, some Republican Ukraine hawks in the House are proposing to try and make Ukraine aid more appealing on their side of the Capitol by stripping out more than nine and a half billion dollars in economic assistance funds. Still not appealing. Quote, there's a bunch of us advocating for military aid, said Representative Don Bacon. All the rebuilding stuff, let's deal with that later, 
they need weapons. So what's Bacon telling you? Let's get them the money right now. We're going to rebuild them later. He's already committing us to rebuilding them later on down the road. I mean, when the hell did we become like this imperialist? Oh, wait, never mind. We need to get rid of this imperialistic mindset that we are the empire. America is the Death Star, and we need to have Palpatine everywhere fixing everything. And just, I mean, this is literally, I want to be a rebel, man. I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the Death Star. <laughs> And lastly, let me just finish. I'll let you just hammer this out. Mike Garcia similarly floated a standalone bill that is munitions only, which he said has a chance of passing on suspension. And Michael McCall, the chair of the House Foreign Aid Committee, also said he's floated trying to tuck the money into appropriations legislation funding the Pentagon. In other words, we are going to stop at nothing to get this money to Ukraine. It is so important to fund a country 8,000 miles away. You know, uh, Mike Garcia there was elected in 2020 in California, just in a district just north of Los Angeles. And he was slight, you know, he was kind of MAGA friendly or whatever. And people were acting like Mike Garcia is the new hope. This is the problem with uh, with rhinos and getting excited about uh, winning rigged elections, you know, not to not to go into a big thing about this, but when we get all uh, you know excited about these these when we're told that there are wins by people with little R's next to their name, and then we begin thinking, well, you know, it's it's better that someone with an R next to their name is there than someone with a D, even though they're both uniparty, because the guy with the R he's going to help us out at least more than the guy with the D will. Well, that's not true. They're both involved in the exact same prod, uh, project and they're just marketing it in different ways. Mike Garcia is pushing a standalone bill for Ukraine funding. What is the uh, motivation behind that? What is the America first need behind that? That's what I want to know. And, you know, we get all these representatives in there and they continue doing the same thing as if their Democrat counterparts were just doing it instead of them because it makes no difference. We're seeing the strategies for... Um, even if Trump wins the election, we're being told that uh, they're going to try to challenge his eligibility under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment by having a congressional vote after the election. And that's what they need these establishment congressmen in for. And, you know, people are all out there focused on voting. Well, OK, you're going to go vote for Trump. What are you going to do down ballot? You're going to vote for all the people with the R's next to their names, no matter what. Yes, you are. So you're going to go give them all your support and your um, all, put all your wishes and faith in them and say, oh, I want people with R's in their name so that they can support Donald Trump. Well, if those people with R's next to their name are just members of the Uniparty, then you have voted. You have yourself now taken it upon yourself and given, you know, your voice and your moral backing to people who are going to oppose what it is you want just because they have ours next to their name. And we are all still tricked into this mythology about voting. Not that it can never matter. It can certainly matter at some times, but until it matters, it doesn't matter. And if in the meantime, you are going to accept that myth, be like, we need Donald Trump to win. And then you give Donald Trump just a, a government full of rhinos to deal with. Then we've done nothing. All we've done is say to them, well, all you have to do is last another four years of subverting Donald Trump. And then at that point, your uniparty is right back in place. 
And, you know, people, people get upset at me because I keep warning about this possibility, but I haven't seen, uh, not only have I not seen any action to prevent that possibility, I haven't even seen people grasp the concept that we need to prevent that possibility. And I'm going to keep hammering it until they do, man, because it is, uh, if we are the people who are trying to figure out the stuff that is ahead of what the mainstream media is saying. And by mainstream media, I include Tucker Carlson and Russell Brand and uh, Dave Rubin and all your favorite people on Rumble who are in the Rumble mainstream now. No one's talking about this. That is a real present danger that is going to be ignored by people who are very excited to have won a rigged election. And uh, if you want to know how this entire awakening can be thwarted, that's a, a very... Uh, good potential way to do that. Uh, I've said for a very, very, very long time, and I know a lot of people echo this sentiment that you need to take R's and D's off of ballots, take party affiliations off of ballots, make people understand their, their politicians and not just vote down ballot. But, you know, that, that's another whole nother subject right there that ties into my separation of, of federal, state and local elections. But, um, this will probably be our last story because I, I I think Fanny's dad is on the stand now, so I want to go check that out. <laughs> uh, this you're gonna love this one though. This is um this is Dan Goldman getting his ass whooped uh, during a, a hearing yesterday by a immig immigration uh, asylum whatever it is judge. Check mm. this out. Thank you, Mr. Goldman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank our witnesses for being here. Um, I, I just came in a, a minute ago, Mr. O'Brien, but um, you said that the president has the authority to shut down the border right now. Under what authority uh, do you refer to? As I said, Section 1182F of the Immigration and Nationality Act, which was the statutory provision that was at issue in Trump v. Hawaii. It's a provision that allows the president by proclamation to temporarily suspend the admission of certain classes of aliens into the United States. So why didn't Donald Trump use that? He, he did. That's why the Trump v. Hawaii case went all the way to the Supreme Court. But then what? why was it relied on Title 42? Um, well, there was pandemic on. I mean, Title 42 is pitched at a very different set of circumstances. It's specifically at a public health crisis. 1182F is pitched at a general power to manage the border in confrontation of a crisis. This guy, Dan Goldman, literally did no homework whatsoever on the idea that, that the president has this authority and so I had a little bit of extra time this morning. I don't usually have that. So I did some research on this. And from lawfaremedia.org, uh, the Supreme Court travel ban ruling summary, this is from 2018 on this Trump v. Hawaii case. And it says, uh, in Trump v. Hawaii, in a five to four decision, the majority opinion authored by Chief Justice John Roberts, the Supreme Court issued two core holdings. One, that the latest ban does not exceed the president's authority under the Immigration National Nationality Act and that the ban does not violate the establishment clause of the Constitution. And so I read briefly over the summaries here of the majority opinions. Uh, I'll jump down here. There are a couple highlights from uh, Clarence Thomas. Justice Thomas uh, said that Section 1182F, which is what was referenced there, of the Immigration and Nationality Act does not provide, quote, any judicial enforceable limits that constrain the president, end quote, quote, nor could it, 
given the president's, quote, inherent authority to exclude aliens from the country, end quote. Justice Thomas first emphasized the negative impact of nationwide injunctions. I thought this was this is completely separate, but I thought this was interesting in this opinion. Um, Justice Thomas first emphasized the negative impact of nationwide injunctions, which first emerged in the 1960s, arguing that they prevent, quote, legal questions from percolating through the federal courts, promote forum shopping. We've seen a lot of that lately and making, quote, every case a national emergency for the courts and the executive branch. I thought that was incredibly prophetic of where we're at right now with Donald Trump and the D.C. cases and everything else. Uh, but let's look at the dissent because that's the key, right? Like, let's see what the opposition said about Trump v. Hawaii that would stop Biden from being able to do this. This case was entirely about religion. It was not about or, or the interpretation of a religion in the INA. Uh, Justice Stephen Breyer and Kagan, both uh, Justin Bre Justice Breyer's dissent considers whether the president tr president's travel ban was indeed a Muslim ban or security measure by focusing on the proclamation's elaborate systems system of exemptions. It says, despite the fact that the proclamation does not apply to asylum seekers or refugees, only a few have been admitted since uh, since or excuse me, only a few have been admitted, have arrived since 2018. So in other words, when Trump put this in place, it was not specifically targeting anybody seeking asylum, but because of that, it was a trickle-down effect. They only had 13 people admitted under asylum since 2018. In 2016, they had over 15,000. So, uh, but then continuing on with the religious thing here, it says, Just Justice Breyer concludes that, quote, I would, on balance find the evidence of anti-religious bias, a sufficient bias to set the proclamation aside. Is there any religious bias going on right now at the border, the Southern border, Chris? I mean, not that I'm aware of. It's certainly not the key focus, is it? If, if there is religious bias going on at the border, it's every religion besides whatever <laughs> religion right. we are in the U S I guess Catholicism because Joe claims to be a, a Catholic. <laughs> Uh, Sotomayor and Ginsburg said, quote, reasonable observe any a reasonable observer would conclude that the proclamation was motivated by anti-Muslim animus. Sotomayor argues that the text of the government's policy is operational available evidence regarding its historical background would suggest a government policy explicitly favoring one religion over another an action that the court has historically recognized as fostering, quote, hatred, disrespect, and even contempt of those who hold contrary beliefs. Now, the reason I highlight this is because they still ruled in favor of President Trump in 2018. All of the religious context of that is gone from where we're at right now. We're talking about you know, a hundred and some odd nations that have people crossing our borders right now of all different races, backgrounds, sexes, age, whatever you want to call it. So the entire argument is completely gone. Good. Um, I just noticed uh, on the uh, that web page that you have up that it mentions Brookings. And I just wanted to clarify from earlier that the Brookings Institution is where Norm Eisen wrote those uh, reports about how to go about prosecuting Donald Trump. So just had to had to update that from earlier in the show. Gotcha, gotcha, no worries. All right, so I, I mean, that's all I have on that right there, the Trump v. Hawaii case uh, that that Goldman just got slapped with. Uh, that, was, that was pretty epic to see that. 
that's something that a lot of people need to understand that we don't need any of this, the, the, the immigration bill. We don't need uh, Congress to do anything. Joe Biden has the absolute power to do it right now. All right, from Red State, throwing it in reverse, Matt Rosendale abruptly drops his Montana Senate bid. And uh, he's got a tweet out here. He says instead, well, let me, they have a, I think they highlight the tweet here as well. Matt Rosendale says, instead of one of those phony statements from politicians, here's my statement on why I'm withdrawing my candidacy for the U.S. Senate. As everyone knows, I've planned to run for the U.S. Senate to win both the primary and general election. However, the day I announced, President Trump then announced that he was endorsing a different candidate. I have long been a supporter of the president, and I remain so. But I've been forced to calculate what my chances of success would be with Trump supporting my opponent. This race was already going to be tough as I was fighting against Mitch McConnell and the rest of the Republican establishment in Washington. But I feel like I could beat them as the voters do not agree with them choosing who would be the next U.S. senator from Montana. However, my, by my calculations, with Trump endorsing my opponent and the lack of resources, the hill was just too steep. I spoke with Senator Daines earlier this week, and we both agree that this is the best, best path forward for Republicans to regain the majority in the U.S. Senate. And uh, he's backed out. He backed out for um, Tim Shahi. Shahi. Uh, it says, Matt, Montana is grateful for your service. This is what Shahi said. Matt, Montana is grateful for your service and for showing Washington, D.C. what it means to hold the line on reckless spending. I know working together we will win this race and defeat John Tester. Now, the, the reason I point this out, uh, you've got here a, a potential matchup between Tester and Shahi versus Tester and Rosendale. And both of these uh, polls still have Tester up by about 9%. I, I will re refresh the 2020 election results in your memory uh, that Trump won by almost 17 points in Montana. Like, how does Tester even have a Senate seat in Montana? That's a good question, isn't it? I, I just, I, I know there's, there's like, it, it makes no sense to me. That's like Manchin in West Virginia, which is like an 86% red state. Yeah. These are, state, these are statewide races. How the hell do you have a, a statewide well, race with a, with a Democrat? Joe, Joe Manchin, just like Joe Biden was um, a good buddy of former Klan leader and West Virginia superstar Senator Robert Byrd. So I would say that that has a big impact impact on how uh, Joe Manchin's career has uh, progressed. Um, Montana is interesting because they have one Democrat in John Tester, and then they have Steve, Steve Daines, who seems to be just blatantly uh, a uniparty right senator. And I mean, I guess it's possible that we will find out that's wrong at some point, but he's uh, he seems to be at least in that story of the phone call from a few weeks ago with Carrie Lake uh, attempting, uh, you know, what, what was the guy's name? Uh, Jeff something DeWitt. in Arizona. DeWitt. DeWitt. Yeah. Trying to uh, to bribe her out of running for a Senate seat. You know, th the story as the story goes, that traces back to the National Republican Senatorial Committee, um, and that would be Steve Daines. So there's something going on with Daines there. Uh, Daines's term, I want to see when this, uh, oh no, Daines still has another four years. So he's got a couple more election cycles before his reelection. Yeah, you got to wonder what's going on with Rosendale, man. He's been on uh, 
war room a whole bunch. He seems to be a very straight shooter. He seems to be uh, absolutely like rock solid America first guy. So we'll find out. Trump has his reasons. We have to hope. Otherwise, let's figure out what's up with Shahi. The only thing that worries me about this uh, and and the logic behind it could perhaps be that Rosendale, I mean, he's still in Congress. I mean, right. He's still he's still in the House. I wonder if maybe he has decided not to run for re-election there. It sounds like he's contemplating that this weekend, and maybe he will say that he's going to run for his House seat again. I don't know. Yes, yeah, he's still in Montana's uh, second district. Um, maybe maybe they figure there's a possibility Tester could win, and they don't want to lose him in Congress, in, in the House. I, I don't know. But I do, I, you know, I don't know much about uh, Shahi or Shahai, whatever his name is. And, Brian, that's, and- you, you make a great point, man, because, you know, if, if elections in Montana are selections and people should understand that that's true, there's no such thing as a, uh, a deep red state, you know, our deep red states are just as thoroughly infiltrated by the uniparty right as the deep blue states are by the uniparty left. Um, it's possible that testers, uh, re-election is already a wrap and that right. everybody around there knows it and that Donald Trump, as he often has before, is going to uh, bow out of contesting each and every one of these things and then take credit for, uh, you know, a, a candidacy like Shahi, where then if everything has fallen apart for Joe Biden as we get into the fall and you have to expect that it will. Democrats will look totally unelectable across the board. And then we see someone like John Tester win in what we're told is a deep, deep red state over a Trump endorsed candidate. Everybody's going to see real quickly. Oh, there's something uh, going on with that. So is that the point? I don't know. But right now we're we're being uh, given a lot of facts that don't seem to make um, any sort of coherent, logical sense in in uh, if the surface surface interpretation is the one we go by. So if that breaks down, then it has to be another interpretation that would actually make this situation make sense. And maybe you just uh, mentioned it. Maybe that's the right one. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, another great point right here by gum gum. Maybe Trump has a position for Rosendale in his totally. administration and it'd be much, mm-hmm. it'd be much more, uh, le- it'd be much less damaging to take away a congressman than it would to take away a Senator. Um, so that could be something else as well. I, I do want to dig a little bit on the Shahi guy. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL, which is always a great thing. You know, I service to your country and all that. I'm, I'm all about it. But, you know, I, I still have a really bad taste in my mouth from Dan Crenshaw. And, sure. you know, I don't know what the hell is going on with the SEALs community out there, but there's a couple others that have done some similar things that are uh, l- a little bit questionable, but let's jump into this right here. Representative Mark Green is announcing his retirement from Congress, and I hate, hate, hate his excuse. Our country and our Congress is broken beyond most means of repair. I have come to realize our fight is not here within Washington. Our fight is with Washington. As I have done my entire life, I will continue serving this country, but in a new capacity. How? Well, like, what better opportunity? And I think he's on the. I, th- I think he's on the. Um, I think he's on the the Department of Homeland Security Committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. he's like the Republican chair of it. Yeah. Um what state what state is he again? You just uh, had it up. 
Mark Green is uh, – I mean, that is, that is a strong – Tennessee. Okay, so that's that's a strong statement. I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, – I haven't ever dug on Mark Green – and not uh, paid a whole lot of attention to him, so I'm not, uh, you know, able to opine on what kind of person he is or how legitimately he support supports America First. He's saying the right things in that statement. Maybe there's a role for him somewhere else. But you know, we've seen a bunch of relatively powerful Republicans drop out in the last couple of weeks. Green just being the latest of those. Uh, so what does that tell you? I mean, dude, Mike Gallagher was the uh, the chair of this House um, subcommittee on the Chinese Communist Party and their influence. But Mike Gallagher also used to like be a regular guest on Jonah Goldberg's podcast. Like he is a uh, Dan Crenshaw style Republican and uh, always has seemed to be a servant of the military industrial complex always has seemed to me to be a rhino. So I watch people like that drop out and I have to see Mark green in, in that same light, despite his statement. And I guess we'll see what the future holds, but for a dude, I, I mean, I'm skeptical about all these people, man. I'm not giving anyone the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know why anyone in our audience or why anyone in the America first movement ever does. We don't need allies that bad. This period right. is not about figuring out who our weakest allies are and then trying to strengthen them because our weakest allies are actually just our most cunning enemies. The point is to sift these people out and make sure that they are gone. Now, I'm not condemning Mark Green because again, I don't know him, but when a pattern like this emerges, I bias toward the pattern and not toward uh, giving some guy a benefit of the doubt because he has an R next to his name and says some America first sounding things. Spot on. Uh, we're going to take our, our final ad break, but before we do, I want to tease the next story because it's going to be the most, in my opinion, this is probably the most glaring piece of evidence that Joe Biden, it was not going to be the nominee in 2024 and they are setting him up for utter failure. But before we get into that, Let's go ahead and hit our last sponsor. Uh, in today's fast-paced world, peace of mind is priceless, and that's where Badlands Media steps in. Preparing for life's uncertainties is about being ready for anything right where you are. Welcome to the Badlands Media shop. We've partnered with Patriot Companies offering products that empower you to prepare for any eventuality comfortably from your home. The Badlands shop is everything you need to secure your peace of mind Browse the virtual aisles, prepare your family for the year ahead with products that you can trust from companies that share your values. Whether it's growing your own food or prepping long-term storage, protecting your family or stocking up on emergency supplies, we've got you covered. Get prepared. Visit Badlands Media Shop at badlandsmedia.tv slash shop today. Every purchase supports a freedom-loving business as well as Badlands Media. That's badlandsmedia.tv slash shop, and thank you for your continued support. All right, folks, this is probably, to me, one of the most glaring signs that Joe Biden is on his way out. Biden finally to deliver on long-promised visit to East Palestine. It has been one year since Joe Biden, and well, since the Norfolk Southern derailment in East Palestine, and Joe Biden, who promised to go there, is now finally going there, and he is not going to be welcomed with a warm welcome. It's going to be, I believe this is his first 
uh, public appearance other than that press conference since the her report came out. I think it's the first time that he's taking questions and he's going to do it in front of a crowd that is inc- going to be incredibly hostile to him in a town that's going to be incredibly hostile to him. I, I think this is setting him up. I think you're going to see like a horrible, horrible reaction in East Palestine to him going there. I don't know why he's doing this. Well, it sounds like he's being forced. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. This is the, this to me is one of the strongest pieces of evidence right here that, that yeah. they're going to just, just close the lid on, on this guy. I, I mean, maybe yes, this will definitely turn into a public shaming. It's just a matter of whether or not they actually uh, pull the trigger and try to remove him. And again, you know, it's, it's my view. And I know that, uh, that John's on board with this. I think, a, a lot of Badlands is of the mind that they're not going to be able to remove Joe Biden. I think that that will be, I, I think it's going to be hilarious. I really hope that they don't get to move to remove Joe Biden. As I, much I think, as I think he is one of the worst people who has ever existed in American public life. I do not want them to remove him. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that Joe Biden removing Joe Biden is, is almost as bad as tanking the Georgia case in terms of exposing everything. Georgia case will expose the evidence behind the fraud. Joe Biden winning again in 2024 will explode, expose that they just don't give a shit. Like they yeah. really don't give a shit. They will steal whatever the hell they want to steal. You have no power. Just put your hands behind your back and live in 1984. It puts the lotion on its skin. So, <laughs> all right, let's jump into the rumble rants. PJ Corrigan says, let's fucking go it's chris paul friday love you b but chris is the mofo mo fucking man jeez dude it's it's everyone's favorite day of the week thank you for always bringing the heat pj i am going back to my gateway article i wrote the other day and i'm taking the hat tip to you out for that comment no, I'm, just I'm just kidding bro. Man. i'm i met pj at, at guard three awesome awesome uh skyfall 80 says hey guys first time watching this live difficult with the time difference saying hi from taiwan Jeez. Yeah. Well, hey, Taiwan, you should uh, let us know how your uh, countrymen are feeling about the results of the recent election and uh, about the Chinese Communist Party. And if you, uh, by the way, go go in my chat. I want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to anybody from Taiwan. I love Me this. Um, I can't even tell him what how to find my... Uh, my chat. Go to go to t.me slash very reasonable on Telegram and leave a comment somewhere on how I can get in touch with you or go on Truth Social. I would love to hear more about Taiwan. All right. Mom of two says, just because I haven't been able to watch live for some time, thank you for all you do. And we appreciate that. Skywalker OG 14 says, so what they are saying is the white people are now underrepresented. <laughs> I guess. I mean, they're overrepresenting. I, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's exactly right. If, if underrepresented people are over 50%, then the white people are therefore underrepresented. So uh, it's just absurd, man. It, I mean, if we're going by proportional representation and that is something that is supposed to be enforced from the top down, then they are blatantly discriminating against, uh, white people and other people based on proportional representation. That's all. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Now, I don't think proportional representation should be any kind of standard, but if it is, then they are violated. Yep. 
Roger five by five says that could have been a man wearing women's stockings. CanCon, please stop misgendering the aggravated prostitute. That was him that did that, by the way, not me. It was uh, me. It was Chris. Uh, but I agree with Chris though. So there we go. Uh, so Bear have done it. Yes. Bear BL says just a little something. I usually have to watch replay. Well, definitely appreciate that. That's a lot more than a little something. We definitely appreciate that. I, I'm. Indeed going to be able to afford a number two tonight at taco bell because i didn't get it on wednesday instead of ramen noodles because of that so thank you um missy brash says okay keeping cash around the house isn't weird however as someone who worked in law for 15 years attorneys are anal about itemizing every mi minute of their time and expenses no cash without a receipt i agree with that 100 percent. it's a good point but i still uh appreciate just throwing it under the mattress like she does there, there, there is no way that no, no. I think she's talking about uh, Wade giving her money back for the things and like no yeah. receipt, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no way that an attorney, two attorneys, in the biggest case in the country, one of the biggest cases in the country, would be like, "Hey, we're bumping uglies here on the side. We probably should make sure that there's no conflict of interest, and we should document uh, at least the exchanging of cash here for for favors." So knowing knowing leftists as I do, um, they stupid. probably they probably both believe that there is no real conflict of interest. They both believe that they are mutually heroic in going after Donald Trump to take him down. So if they spark a great romance in the midst of that, that only makes their story more heroic and and better. This yeah. is actually how these people think. Yeah. Counterinsurgent says Chris Paul is an ice cold 180 proof shot of reality check on the rocks. <laughs> Jeez. Some like wild turkey. Like, like that's like, that's not even wild turkey. That's yeah, yeah. That is, um, Everclear. that is, yeah, that's ever clear. Jeez. Brogent says classic projection from the enemy. They are fear mongering Putin supporting sovereign entities while they found support, trained, fund, support, train, et cetera. The globalist factions all across the world yeah I, I i i'm i'm over the fear-mongering with putin i'm over it i hate saying it because you know people are like oh you're you're putin simp and if i go to the uk i'll end up in prison because I'm <laughs> well terrorist. you know what we didn't what we didn't mention today is that the uh the worldwide state propaganda media has let us know that their russian hero alexei navalny has died mm. in prison um it's funny because there is a Russian election in less than a month from now uh, that went unmentioned in the Tucker Carlson interview. Our media doesn't talk about it. If you wanted Vladimir Putin out of there, why uh, isn't there, you know, a, an actual resistance movement in Russia? Oh, it's because he's a brutal dictator, except he's not. It's just a normal country. And uh, this Alexei Navalny thing, he was supposed to to be the popular hero that was going to take on Vladimir Putin. And uh, it didn't work. I mean, they've given him all these different uh, documentaries, an HBO documentary, I think a Netflix documentary as well. They have tried to make uh, Alexei Navalny a worldwide star. They've tried to make him like the Russian Barack Obama, and it, it has not worked. And so now I guess that uh, info op is over and we will find out the details of his death at some point. Or will we? Or will we? Yeah. <laughs>
All right, Chris. Well, I got to jump over to uh, the Fanny trial here. So thank you so much for joining me, man. As always, get that Fanny. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go tap that Fanny, man. I heard her dad, somebody in the chat said her dad admitted to watching the testimony yesterday. What? I mean, was he not He's supposed to? Fan. Oh, no, you're not allowed to do that. You can't watch the testimony of well, people. Don't put it online, then. <laughs> I mean, well, Fanny was out there. No, no, he admitted, like, on the stand, I guess, apparently. He admitted to watching the testimony yesterday. Like, yeah. you can't do that. I mean. Well, what, what, he's just supposed to not do it? It's just so, it's, it's so funny how dumb our legal system is at this point. It's so convoluted, man. They've tried to change all these different things around, you know, as from what I was saying before. They, they have made it their mission to entirely reconceive of the American governmental structure through court decisions and these court cases that they bring up, many of which they create so a decision can get made to change our law in a certain way. All of that stuff needs to be wiped from existence. It all needs to be gone. Every little yep. bit of it needs to be eliminated. So the idea that they're Oh, this guy's going to come in tomorrow, but he's not going to watch his daughter on the stand while everybody in the country talks about it. Give me a break. This is a clown show. All right, folks, you heard it right there. I'm 100% I'm with you on that, Chris. Thanks for joining <laughs> me, brother. And uh, I will see you guys all in about 30 seconds over on the other <laughs> trial. Oh, my God. I got why we vote tonight, too, at 730. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never going to be done. I'll see you guys later. Love you all. Thank you so much for joining us and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.